Okay, so really quick, as we get ready for sermon number two. <laughs> um, so in our tradition, we wear robes on Sundays for a reason. It's actually not just tradition. Uh, and it's not just because they look cool. Um, <laughs> that's supposed to be funny. Anyway. Um, we were robes because John Calvin thought two things. He thought it was important that the people know that the people preaching the word of God have at least some education in the matter, right? That's, that's one reason. But the other reason is that the black robe is supposed to hide anything about the speaker that might be distracting. So, are y'all gonna be able to handle this? I mean, these are, I, they're the most orange of all the orange pants in like the world. Uh, but they're Astro's orange. I took a risk. They could have come from Amazon, you know, either coral or like burnt orange. And if I had burnt orange pants, my wife would never let me wear them. So I got lucky that they came out the orange that they did. But can you get past it? And can you listen to the word of God proclaimed today? Yes. Okay, good. I hope so. Because um, we do have important stuff to talk about. So uh, let me start by reading, uh, this is from Psalm 8, and we read Psalm 8 last week. Uh, but Psalm 8 says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Father, you're grateful for these psalms and the way that they guide us, not only in the truth, but in what it feels like to live in a broken world that you are intent on restoring and redeeming and making whole. And oftentimes it feels chaotic and we have a ton of questions and things don't make a lot of sense. So as we wrestle with the scriptures today, as we hear the scriptures read and the gospel proclaimed, we do pray that you would open our ears, that you would guide the words of my mouth, that only your truth would sink in and begin to transform us from within. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people said. Amen. David wrote, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, humans that you care for them? And we have seen for the past few weeks, scripture tells us the answer to that question. We are known, we are loved, and we are worth dying for. A couple weeks ago, I read John chapter 10. It's about a shepherd who watches over his sheep. He serves them as a caretaker, leads them to green pastures and clean water. This shepherd is both gentle and fierce. He guides his sheep with his staff, but he also protects them against all enemies with his rod. And more than just protects them, this is a shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep because he knows them, because he loves them, and because he believes that they're worth dying for. So last week I was trying to explain that Genesis 1 tells us that one of the ways that we reflect God's image in the world, one of the ways that we reflect the image of this shepherd is by ruling 
and subduing, having dominion over all creation. And the language is kingly language. We were created to be kings, but we were created to be shepherd kings. The way of this world will tell us that the ruler is the one who is served, but the way of Jesus says the ruler is the one who serves. Our king rules through sacrificial love, and that's the same calling that he's placed on all of his image bearers. We were created not only to rule, but we were created not only to be known by God, we were created to know God through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the person of Jesus Christ. We were created not only to be loved by God, but to love him in return, and we were created to serve his will and his purpose. God gave humanity authority over his prize, over God's own creation, over his order, and we are to serve it as shepherds, not as tyrants. We are to be caretakers, not manipulators. That is God's purpose and intent for all humanity. And the truth is that God's will will be done. Like when we pray that, when we sing it in the prayer this morning, it's not a request. That line in the Lord's prayer is a declaration of absolute truth. God's will will be done. And we are here, we were created to pursue and to participate in God's will for all creation. But there's another aspect of the shepherd's care that I wanna talk about today. This is another particular way in which we bear the image of God into the world. And it's a unique gift that we've been given. This is another piece of data in our search for what's true about me and about you. I want you to listen to this. Again, this comes from John chapter 10. Yeah, it says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. All right, if you'll humor me for a second. There is a new created creature who now lives within the herb household. Um, His name is Tucker. And uh, yes, he is named after all-star Astros right fielder, Kyle Tucker. We do call him King Tuck, he's adorable. Uh, He's playful, he's naughty, he's sweet, he's all the things that a good puppy should be. But let me tell you something, that dude is incredibly loud. Like, I cannot even explain how loud he is. I came home the other day and I had to park down the street, I could hear him howling from his indoor kennel like two houses away. Like, we owe our neighbors at least an apology. I'm not sure. So it's predictable when he's going to do this at night and in the morning. Um, And one of the things that works, I mean, about 40% of the time, uh, when he starts howling and screaming at night or in the morning because he doesn't want to be away from his people, all I have to do, I don't need to be in the room. He doesn't need to see me. All I have to do is yell back at him kindly, Tucker, no. That's it. And I'm telling you, every single time, he gets quiet. About 40% of the time, he stays that way. (laughs) About 60% of the time, we have to go through that little routine two or three times until, you know, we finally give up and let him have his way, right? (laughs) Um, And listen, it's a silly and it's a simple example, but, um, okay, but but I think that our ability to use our voice to guide and to guard creation, it's part of what it means to bear the image of God. I think silly little stories like that, it it gives us glimpses of what John wrote 
about the way that the shepherd interacted with the sheep, the way we are to interact with created things. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. And at least for now, our voices, they bring comfort to Tucker when he's afraid. They let him know everything's okay as he learns the schedule, as he learns how things work in his new home. Now, like I've already made really clear, he has a really loud voice himself. <laughs> like we are not the only creatures who have voices and the ability to communicate. They can bark, they can howl, they can growl, they can hiss. Created things can communicate. They have a means to get our attention. They can get one another's attention. And some animals, not only, not only can they communicate, but they are incredibly intelligent. <laughs> I told Jennifer last night, sorry, but I told her last night, he came up to me Sorry, side note, I shouldn't do this when I'm talking, but I'm going, I'm going to. He, I was sitting on the couch and he came up and he kind of got up on my legs and I petted for a minute and then I stopped petting him. <laughs> and he did this with his ear and then he put his other hand on my paw and I told Jennifer, I said, see, he's telling me to pet him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I'm over-exaggerating a little bit. But these animals, not only can they communicate, some of them are really, really intelligent. This summer, Jennifer and I were in London, and she spent one of the afternoons at the Tower of London, and she learned a lot about the ravens that live at the Tower of London. And from what I understand, ravens, in a different way, but similar to parrots, like in the wild, they can speak about 30 words. In captivity, that vocabulary expands to about 100. Scientists believe that their brains are wired in some ways similar to ours. They can not only speak, but they can problem solve. They can also be deceptive. In the wild, they're really good at hiding things like hiding food from other birds, but in captivity, they'll hide toys. They'll hide things from their keepers. The scientists believe that like many primates, they had the cognitive capacity of a seven-year-old child. So listen, it's not simply our ability to think and communicate that sets us apart from the other creatures. It's the particular way we do it. That is part of what it means to be made in the image of God. And understanding what it means to be made in the image of God is fundamental to our understanding of who and what we are. And here's the point. It's not just that we have the ability to speak. It's the way that we speak and what our speech does. Because like God in Genesis 1, Genesis 1 says when God created, how did he do it? He spoke, God said. Through our particular ability to communicate, y'all, we are able to create. Like we not only think, but we bring things into existence. We can make order out of chaos. Parents, they think and they speak order into chaotic homes. Legislators think and speak new rules into existence for the ordering of chaotic societies. Philosophers think and speak new ideas into existence. Entrepreneurs think and speak new companies and new economies into existence. A raven and some other animals can problem solve and hide their food and protect their babies from predators, and that is impressive. But humans think and speak things into existence like democracy and capitalism. This mode of communication bearing God's image is the way, y'all, it's all a part of God's created design. In the creation story, God didn't form everything that would ever be. What God did was create life in the environment in which life could flourish. He created a garden of possibilities, a garden that by his plan would one day become a city. And he placed his image bearers in the midst of it to think and to speak into that created order the things that would further God's purpose and God's intent. 
that they would guide all things toward a flourishing life. That is how God designed it. That's God's intent. He invited us to participate in it, to participate according to his will, according to his plan. That was the plan. (laughs) But we know, even as parents, we know that we try to think and speak order into the home, but oftentimes we fail and we find ourselves in chaos. Sometimes it's of our own making. Legislators cause chaos by creating so many laws that now we can't even follow them all. Like I'm probably breaking one or two laws right now and I don't even realize it. It's too many to keep track of. Philosophers think and speak new ideas into being. Some of them are incredibly destructive to the mind and to the soul. Entrepreneurs think and speak companies into existence, some of which exploit both creation and our fellow image bearers. New economies that sometimes take advantage of the least among us. Humans have the power to think and speak democracy and capitalism into existence, both of which I truly believe are the best versions of governance and economics the world has ever known, both of which are still highly corruptible and are capable of causing great suffering. Human thought and speech can be a powerful tool by which we live into the image and bear it to the world, but it can also be an incredibly destructive weapon that kills and destroys. There was a disciple of Jesus named James. James was actually Jesus' brother, but he never referred to himself that way. He referred to himself as a follower of Jesus. And he wrote a letter near the end of the New Testament. I want to read to you what he says in chapter 3. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Like all throughout the Bible, from the garden itself to the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, throughout the history of Israel and its relationship with God and its neighbors, the human tongue has been the source of hope and chaos, of both creation and death. And then centuries and generations later in the New Testament book of Acts, after Jesus came, after the shepherd laid down his life for his sheep, after he was raised from the dead and returned to his right place at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, after all that in the book of Acts, it begins with these disciples, his followers, terrified, gathered together, hiding away in an upper room. When all of a sudden, and I'm going to read how this happened from the Jesus Storybook Bible, it said a strong wind filled the little room whistling through the walls, rustling the straw on the floor. And there on everyone's heads, shining in the gloom, were flickering flames, fire that didn't hurt or burn. And something more, inside, in their hearts, they felt a strange heat, almost as if all the coldness and hardness was melting away, as if their broken hearts were mending. God was giving them brand new hearts, hearts that worked the right way. They unlocked the door and they surged out into the streets as if they had never been afraid. And Peter spoke in a loud voice so that everyone could hear, Jesus died for you, he said, because he loves you. Because God made him alive again, he has rescued you. Now there were a lot of people from faraway countries there in Jerusalem and these people stopped and they listened. 
Now, these people couldn't speak the same language as Peter, but as they listened to Peter, everyone could understand what he was saying in their own languages. And many people believed and became Jesus' new friends and helpers. And the wonderful news of Jesus spread like sparks from a fire to villages, towns, and cities. We call this the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, coming with a sign, the ability to speak and to hear in a way that brought salvation to the lost. God's will was not defeated in the garden or at the Tower of Babel. The curse of the garden and the city was undone on the streets of Jerusalem 50 days after the resurrection of the Good Shepherd, after the resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah. On the streets of Jerusalem and then spreading throughout the world, that good news spread. God's purpose and plan for humanity was being restored by the spoken and heard word of God. On the streets of Jerusalem today, in Gaza, in Washington, D.C., and all around the world, image bearers use the gift of speech, use their tongues to praise God and curse his image bearers. Others use that gift of speech to praise the image bearer, but to curse the original image, to curse God. This should not be. Words have such power, we know this. Words have such power to heal or to destroy, to enlighten or to deceive. But this isn't only about the words that we speak. Y'all, I have to tell you, it's also about the speech that we hear. Because especially during times when there are major world events, y'all, it is so easy and it's so tempting like just to leave that cable news on 24-7, right? Or to stay glued to the social media feed for the latest updates and listen, we should absolutely keep ourselves informed. We can't pray if we, if we don't know what to pray for. But what might the nonstop noise be doing to our souls? And is all that speech actually good? Or is it possible that some of it is part of the problem? And listen, no matter what side of the aisle that you're on or which news outlet or social media platform is your favorite, listen, they might be telling you the truth, but none of them are telling you the whole truth. Sadly, because none of them profit on telling you the whole truth. And whether they realize it or not, it's one of the enemy's greatest tools the telling of partial truths. Because partial truths go a long way at manipulating and separating us from God and from one another. You can ask yourself, do the words that I'm listening to, do they sound like the the voice of the good shepherd? Do I recognize this voice or not? Is this voice trying to bring order to the chaos? Or is it just stoking the flames and trying to spread the fire even more? Jesus said that it's the truth that will set us free, the whole truth, God's truth. And if we are going to oppose evil in all of its forms, which by the way, at our baptism, that's a commitment that we make, that we will oppose evil in all of its forms, if we are gonna do that, we must be fully informed. So what if we worked to you know, keep up with the news, but to turn it off from time to time, to rest, take a Sabbath from it, to put it in its rightful place and listen to the Psalms instead. 
Let the Psalms, let the word of God itself, let that become the soundtrack of your days. Not all the noise that's in the background. And remember the story that Katie told us earlier. Like why did Jesus heal the man who could neither speak nor hear? Like I'm sure that man had many other issues and I'm sure he had other illnesses and sicknesses until the day of his death. Why did Jesus heal those things right then? Enabling him to hear and to speak again. Because that's the sign of the kingdom coming. He was restoring to a broken image bearer the ability to pursue and participate in God's purposes by healing his ability to speak and to hear. Every one of us, we are broken reflections of the Almighty. Our bodies, our minds, our heart, our soul, they're broken and Jesus is restoring them. He's putting the pieces back. He's putting the broken pieces of that mirror back together so that we can fully reflect the goodness and mercy and the will of God to one another and out into the world. And I'm convinced that the way we use our tongue, the way we use our voice and the things that we listen to, our capacity to be God's speech creatures in the world, it reveals a lot about who we are, whose we are, and whose will we are pursuing in this life. So as we wrestle with all the issues that we face in this life, as we consider how to oppose evil in all of its forms, y'all, the first thing we have to do is turn to God. And if we feel the need to curse another image bearer, then we just need to remember the words of Psalm 139 and we need to say it to God first. We can speak against our enemies. Like we should speak against and stand against evil. But we can't really do anything on our own strength. We can only do it when we are bearing God's image, so we have to turn to him first, take our honest thoughts about everything that we face in this world, hand it over to him. Trust his justice, his plan, his timing, and then simply ask, now how shall I speak? What shall I do? In defense of those that I love, or even against someone that I oppose. How will the words of my mouth bear your image in the world today? Let's pray. Father, you have given us a mighty powerful weapon. That's often how we use it in this world. As broken image bearers, we use your great gifts as weapons. Heal that in us. Redeem it. Restore it. Make us a people who can discern and listen for your truth in the midst of all the noise, who are committed to speaking your truth and not just furthering the noise. Help us to be a people who can recognize your voice, who will follow it, and who will share that voice, share those words with others so that the work of healing this broken place can continue, so that your kingdom will come, so that one day and one day soon, as Revelation says, come, Lord Jesus, come, that you will be on the throne over all of life, over every person. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people said, amen. amen.